Welcome to SHIFT, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results in less time. You can get a free trial by visiting achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, let's get started. So today we have John Baylor from On to College on the line with us. Hi, John. Hello, Uh, Tyler. Hi, and John, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, that would be great. I'm the founder and CEO of On to College, and we work with more than 700 high schools in about 28 states, increasing their entire overall average school-wide ACT or SAT scores with our easy-to-deploy, quite affordable ACT and SAT prep solutions. We also offer college counseling and this same program is available to families, and we have lots of families that order it online uh, at ontocollege.com. Uh, I guess our mission captures it. We strengthen scores, confidence, and culture so all students, not just the affluent, but all students reach their best fit post-high school destination with minimal debt. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's talk today about what are the ACT and SAT's roles in admission decisions, right? And I think that that's something that, given that you both prep for them and do college counseling, you're probably pretty well suited to answer. Well, historically, that was a pretty easy answer. I mean, you knock out a 1,500 plus, you got a really good shot at going to a selective college. You knock out a 1,400 to a 1,500. I mean, there was a strong correlation between actual scores and where you end up in college and at what price point, because not only... Did those scores trigger acceptances and rejections largely? They also triggered a lot of scholarships. So it was about catching dreams, jumping those scores, especially if you come from disadvantaged backgrounds. I mean, you come from South Central Los Angeles, you come uh, from an area, you know, Waco, Texas, and you knock out a 1200 plus on the SAT, you knock out a 31 plus on the ACT. It changes your future, not just anybody, but it, it like it, dramatically even to a, a more profound effect. That's prior to COVID. Um, now things have yeah. changed with this with movement where a lot of colleges are, are asking the question, okay, maybe we did overweigh it. Maybe we did give it too much emphasis in the past. So now it's an open question. But what I like to tell uh, students is, look, there are a lot of students who are seeing the headlines. A lot of families are seeing the headlines, you know, test optional and taking that language literally. Well, right. Uh, exercise is optional, uh, but we probably should do it. You know, um, <laughs> eating vegetables is optional, but you know, it'd be really helpful if you did it. Look, you're right, literally correct. It's optional at every college for the most part, other than MIT and Purdue and a few others I'm forgetting now. But um, look, it can be really helpful largely because your competition, your contemporaries who are applying for colleges and seeking those very finite, coveted big merit-based scholarships are shutting it down and taking optional literally. So go for it. If you don't get the score that traditionally would have triggered the money, you might hide it. If it does, you get the score that triggers the money and the acceptances, of course, uh, reveal it. So there's really no downside. Uh, But exactly to what extent in in the cranial cavities of the admissions folks, they are weighing ACT and SAT prep scores is truly an unknown. Yeah, well, that's what I wanted to talk about today, right? I I feel like you you mentioned that sort of there was a shift thanks to COVID and and thanks to sort of, first, obviously, all the schools had to go test optional because there was nowhere to take the test, right? So it was kind of a matter of survival at a certain Mm -hmm. point. Um, But then now we're in this weird limbo, right? And, And so I'm wondering, 
you know, if you're an admissions officer today, you know, how are you, regardless, let's like, we can assume you're at a test optional school because most of them are test optional, even if it's only in name only, <laughs> right? Um, how are you using, how is, how you are using the ACT and SAT scores that you get changed from what it used to be in the past? Well, uh, we've seen interview responses from selective college admissions folks who say, look, it's confusing. We're getting just a deluge of applicants, 20 to 30% more than we've ever had, half of whom are not even giving us a score. Those uh, that, that don't give us a score, we have to rely on GPAs, which differ by, by school. Uh, we have to rely on recommendations, which are more correlated with affluence and scores, or we have to rely on essays, and who knows who wrote those essays. So they're, it's, they're, they're confused. Um, but what you do receive when you when you get a score is a reassurance that uh, that that G, G, GPA is corroborated or not. Maybe the GPA is an outlier, and now the score. Uh, bottom line is together they can give you a little bit more data. But this is all new territory for admissions folks. I mean, the ones who are anonymously answering these questions from various educational journalists. Uh, look, we're not sure how to handle this new world. We're not sure we're choosing the right kids or we're not sure what the criterion is anymore are a little uh, befuddled. But, um, you know, look, you're right. It, this, this, this era was uh, thrust upon us because of the pandemic. It accelerated a trend that had already started that more and more schools want to decide, are we, are we weighing the, the test score too heavily? And arguably many were. Uh, but now to suddenly throw the whole thing out in some instances, um, often makes things more confusing. So I think uh, if, a, if a student has a college-ready score, and uh, historically it would have triggered the result they wanted, admission to a selective college and or huge amounts of merit-based aid, which also, you know, if they're qualified for need-based aid, would, would, have, would have certainly help their likelihood of receiving all that they qualify for, uh, then it can put them in a huge competitive advantage because more and more family. Well, basically, Tyler, look, what is the instinctive human condition? It's it's to gravitate towards ease. I mean, if someone told mm -hmm. me, "Hey, you know what? Freezing cold weather. School's called off. You don't have to do your final after all." I'm like, "Yay!" I'm not like, "Darn it!" You know, we gravitate towards a slightly you know easier. So when you hear that you know taking an ACT or an SAT is is not necessarily required anymore, you have a chance still now. Uh, if you don't submit one, uh, many students are choosing that path. And so the, those who choose to go for it, jump their scores, often have a huge competitive advantage. Yeah. And so that is, I mean, I think kind of nailing the question, right? Which is like, what is the role in admissions decisions now? And really the role in the application process for the student now, right? I feel like it's becoming the the sort of this like extra credit maybe i think it's a little more required than extra credit <laughs> but it's 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 a you know now quote unquote optional piece that you can use to improve your resume and i think it's particularly i think the the kind of the two pieces to discuss are first that it's still very much sort of semi-required anyway by a lot of schools but then second is i think it can give you a big um, advantage when you're applying for merit aid and things like that, right? Yes. There are two types of, of schools, college destinations. There's selective colleges, about 60 to 80 of them, and there's everybody else. So you got about 4,200 four-year institutions out there. Only about 60 to 80 are the selective ones we've all heard of. Everybody else is non-selective. 
So mm. if you're interested in the selective colleges, it can give you a big competitive advantage, help you catch dreams, help you get in, which is increasingly difficult. I mean, what? Vassar has rejected 90% of their applicants? I mean, literally, people are celebrating uh, to go to Vassar and give them 85 grand a year because they somehow outdueled the other 90% that didn't get in. I mean, it's a totally different world. I mean, Wesleyan is rejecting 90 plus percent of their applicants. Uh, Colby is rejecting 93%. It's just an unbelievable world. So any competitive advantage you can gain, use it. For the other schools, you know, the nearly 4,100 you know, uh, uh, colleges, to me, optional is only for those who are excited to pay full price. If you're right. excited to pay full price, it's optional. You never have to learn how to spell SAT or ACT. I mean, if, if you're excited to pay full price, college after college after college, um, for all sorts of reasons, economically pri primarily, is going to do whatever they can to entice you to come. But if you want to get a discount, it can really help your chances. Because most merit scholarships, the University of Florida system, the University of Georgia system, uh, most of the University of Nebraska colleges, uh, public colleges, their merit-based scholarships still seek not just a GPA, often a recommendation or an essay, but they also want to see a score. Yeah, so let's talk about that. I mean, what are what are the scores if you're applying to a school that's that's like that, right? Like a Florida State College or a Georgia State College. What do you feel like the scores are for the SAT and ACT that are going to help you get that merit aid? Well, I know for a fact what they are, but I don't have it right in front of me because <laughs> we do this research <laughs> at On to College. We, we've long since realized that, look, so many public school college counselors are overwhelmed, not of their own fault, but they're ba at most spending 20% of their time doing college counseling. And scholarship rules are changing all the time. So we research every year in state after state after state exactly how their, their applications and their their uh, merit-based scholarships work because we want to make sure they fully understand and they can share it with their families and they just share it directly with their families because it's, I mean, look, you know, Tyler, more than 50% of families that qualify for need-based aid who have teenagers don't understand the system. Right. And I would argue at least 90% of families don't fully understand exactly how their in-state public college and private college merit-based scholarships work, at least 90%. And their counselors, in my opinion, can't be expected to have the latest nuances. So we share that with them. And my memory is that uh, at the in Georgia, I, I, I hope I'm close, you knock out a 24 on the ACT. Boom, you qualify for huge money. I want to say free tuition. Maybe not in Athens at the University of Georgia, but at one of their... I mean, I'll give you right. an example uh, in, in Nebraska. I mean, uh, you get a 25 on the ACT. I mean, that's what, five points more than the national average? I'd argue that national average is has uh, been depressed of late because of COVID. So it should mm -hmm. be about a 21. So a little more than four points higher than the national average. This is average. That's all kids, all kids, you know, not just college-bound kids. Um, you get free tuition at Wayne State, Peru State, Shadron State. Now, Shadron State, the same thing as, as Yale? No. But the families that think college is too expensive typically don't understand how the student can have such huge influence on what that price point will be. Right. Yeah, and I think the other thing that might be kind of missing from the test optional conversation is the fact that that's going to be requiring a test score for the most part, right? I mean, certainly enough of the schools, like, yes, there are, there are places like Texas where GPA alone, as long as you're going to a Texas public school can get you um, some scholarship. But I feel like 
just in general, it's probably going to increase your options a lot <laughs> by by taking the ACT or SAT and getting some kind of good score. Ab- absolutely. University of Florida system, University of Georgia system, Purdue, MIT, but then you know, Arkansas colleges, uh, Alabama colleges, Mississippi colleges, these are the publics typically, um, they are asking for scores because they've seen all the data. Historically, there's there's a correlation. There's a local college uh, in Nebraska I was speaking to, and they're going after, um, you know, kids with ACT scores in the low 20s. They want just solid um, kids uh, who are, um, you know, if they get 30s and above, they'll take them and give them free rides. But they've noticed in their research that if they'll accept kids with like 19s, 20s, 21s, 22s on the ACT, what they're finding though is it's much tougher to retain them. Kids with 23s and above have a much higher likelihood of retaining, of staying and and graduating. So there's real data that schools have done internally, but of course there's the ACT data that that shows the strong correlation between college ready scores and future college success. Uh, So um, colleges, if they, if, 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 when they're handing out this finite amount of merit based aid, they want to make sure it goes to kids who are, who have, who have a real strong likelihood of sticking around. I mean, you know, uh, 25% uh, nearly of four-year college kids don't come back year two. So they want to make sure it goes into the right hands. Right, yeah, and that's a crazy percentage too. I mean, to an extent, I think you can argue that as much as the ACT and SAT aren't super fun, like you said, if we could... if we Oh, all come on, them. they're not that painful, but you're right. It's not like playing yeah, Fort... Yeah. Fortress or whatever, Fortnite, or is my, my what I understand. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it. I that's what I understand too. It's not quite as fun <laughs> as Fortnite. I mean, that makes sense. But uh, it's also probably just preparing for these tests is going to help you prepare for the rigors of college and life. You know, I've heard this. I mean, I maybe even I've lived it a little bit that life occasionally will confront you with adversity, and if. And when it does, you want to be prepared. Look, the toughest thing Tyler ever did in my life was run high school cross country. We used to run 10 miles every Tuesday. I would literally say goodbye to people at school in the afternoon. Not sure I'd return. I mean, when you do something rigorous, <laughs> yeah. life is so much easier. I mean, no one's going to pay you to do high school wrestling. No one's going to pay or wrestle ever in the future or, or swimming or, or cross country. But those activities are so valuable because they make later life so much easier. Look, when when we send the when we the easiest thing to do in as as a leader, as a as cultural leaders, as thought leaders, is to ask people to relax standards, to relax effort. That's the easiest thing to do because we all gravitate towards ease. Really tough to reinforce them. I mean, you can create a culture. It takes a long. You can destroy a culture very quickly. You can create one, but it takes a long time. Uh, so, what's my point? Uh, is that. Uh, I don't, I think we, I know, I don't think, I know we do young people a disservice when we allow them to avoid these sort of capstones of childhood, you know, these, these difficult challenges of childhood that don't measure us, that don't define us, that just give us indicators, but simultaneously inside us build some true grit that when the, Mm. when the storms of life arrive and they do, you're a little more prepared. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any other thoughts on the ACT or SAT and its role in admissions decisions before we before we wrap this one up? Without veering into high school cross country, you mean, and wrestling? Um, oh, no, I thought that was a great analogy, yeah. <laughs> um, Tyler, look, I mean, I'm, I'm clearly um, biased and, and full of conflict of interest, right? I mean, I've, I've, built a, <laughs> I've built a company with, you know, 30 employees and 
and uh, and and lots and lots of um, families and schools that that uh, we hopefully uh, that we work with and, and inspire and motivate and help catch dreams. But um, I, I we're, we're seeing increased data from students who thought they were four year college material, never took a test, never saw that seventeen on the ACT in a year into it, they drop out and they've got about $12,000 in debt. Who knows what they spent to accumulate mm-hmm. that $12,000 in debt. Look, um, uh, I, I think we, we, um, we don't give young people enough credit. Homo sapiens, but certainly young people, I would say even more so. We exhibit the expectations of our immediate culture. Uh, so, if we expect something of them, they can rise to the occasion. Will they all get 32s in the ACT? Will they all get 14, 50s or higher in the ACT? No, but they, it's amazing what they can what they can conquer. And think of what they're conquering when they do decently on these tests: grammar, reading, right. math. I know the world will hold them accountable for that. So to allow them to avoid accountability when they're younger again, I don't think does them a lot of service. But I think there's a lot to be said for difficult challenges. And facing up to them, doing the best you absolutely can, especially you get multiple chances. This is not South Korea where you get one chance. It's an all-day test. It determines not just where you go to college, but what future economic class you join. I'm not for that. But a right. system where you have where you can take a three, four, or five to heck, if you're free and reduced lunch, you can take the ACT five times for free, four times for the ACT. And if you're in one of these mandated states, you get a fifth time free. I mean, and then you can send it to as many colleges for free. I, I think we're making uh, we're, we're making this a lot simpler than it used to be, a lot easier than it's simply, rightfully so. But just to throw it out and say, you know what, Billy, you don't even have to try this ever. I'm not sure it does him any any help when he's in his 20s, 30s, and 40s, and life can get a lot tougher. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Is what I'm saying. Just go for it. You'll be you'll be shocked. You'll be you'll be amazed at what you can accomplish. It's not that difficult to learn grammar. It's really not as tough as you think to to, to nail high school math. I'm not saying you're going to get a perfect score, but I'm saying. You can do a lot better, and it'll serve you in life when all these salespeople are trying to sell me stuff. Should I lease a car or buy the car? Hold on. I understand basics of percentages and returns on investment thanks to basic high school math. It, um, if all you know about money is primarily how you like to spend it, you're, you're vulnerable. So right. go for it. Yeah. Now I love that. That's a great thing to wrap up on. This has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with John Baylor from On to College. And you can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by visiting achievable.me. And be sure to use the code podcast if you like it to get 10% off.